Welcome to another edition of Fashion Council. My name is Anthony Lupo, and I have the pleasure of being joined by Tom Crispy. Tom heads up our CPSC practice and our product safety practice, and thanks for joining us, Tom. Thanks, Tony. I'm glad to be here. So I guess my first question is, exactly what does a retail company need to be thinking about when, with product safety? You know, first and foremost, any retail company or any company for that matter, really needs to understand what they're selling, what, the, what product they're selling and who they're selling it to. And then ultimately, they're going to need a plan if and when something does go wrong, because inevitably something does go wrong. So Tom, I've heard you give different advice depending on the nature of the products, right? Like maybe electronics on one hand, but then clothing on another. So there are differences to some extent. Yeah, there certainly are differences depending on what you're selling. Um, and, and who's making it, and who's the manufacturer and the designer of the product. But there are certain central themes that are gonna go throughout it, no matter what the product is, Tony. I mean, you need to have a safe product and you need to have a plan to ensure the safety of that product. So I, I guess, you know, the best plan is to have a plan in the first place, right? Because right. a lot of people sort of get hit with the investigation and they don't have a protocol in place for either dealing with it or they don't have a protocol in place for ensuring they even have a, a safe product. That's right. So ultimately, you're going to want a, safe, a plan in place, whether it be on the product safety side to, to defend your product um, or in the event of, an, uh, you know, of, a, of a dangerous product, you're going to want a plan in place so that you can uh, notify the appropriate regulators and do it in a proper setting. So we would start with the manufacturing of the product, and we would ensure that, I guess, the ingredients going in that product, for lack of a better term, are, are safe getting some type of assurances that they are, how they're combined in the process, and then the food chain getting it all the way to market, that we, we would think through all those issues? Yeah, you'd, you'd want to think through all those issues, and that's sort of the design aspect of the product, and what you're, if you're designing it, how you're designing it. And then the next step is always going to be the manufacturing aspect. You need to understand and have a plan to make sure that you're manufacturing that product in accordance with the design. And ultimately, what you really want and what your lawyers are ultimately going to want is documentation that you did manufacture those things in accordance with that plan. So we start with that we're going to want the proper agreements with the manufacturers, with the warehouses, and all the way through the food chain. So we start with the manufacturer uh, because most of our clients are not manufacturing their own product. They're going to some factory somewhere. Right. So from a legal perspective, the, the, the main thing you want to do is to make sure you have the appropriate agreements in place. You're going to want to make sure that you have the, the airtight indemnity clause. But in addition to that, you're going to want, to, you're going to want your manufacturer uh, providing you with a certificate of insurance, naming you as an additional insured, Tony. So you would encourage, uh, strongly encourage, uh, a, a company to do spot checks on products to make sure that they're compliant. Get them tested by a certified lab or something like that. Yeah, a certified lab and a third-party testing is always sort of, you know, the gold standard. Because if you can establish that your vendor is providing you stuff with a third-party cert certification for its safety, it's the gold standard. Right. And I, I think I heard you mention to a client once, you know, clearly it's too cost prohibitive to be testing all the products. But you, I, I've heard you give advice where you should maybe look at the first and, you know, the last or a certain batch or what... what yeah, I mean, there are different things you can do on the manufacturing line. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it, it's sort of a quality control aspect of it. If you're making a widget um, and you want to test the first one of the line and the last one of the line of that 
of that particular day, that's pretty good evidence and pretty good sound support that you, all of your products have been safe for the day. So let's assume uh, there is a quality problem with the product and you had no notice of it, you have a warranty, you have an indemnity, you did the spot checks, it makes it to market. The, the reseller of that product and the manufacturer still have potential liability, right? Absolutely. Um, the, the, the various states, there's a 50-state analysis that might go into your, your liability of it. But if you're selling a product, you're generally just as liable as the manufacturer. Now, that manufacturer may owe that retailer a duty, um, to, defend. A, a duty to defend and indemnify them. But you are ultimately responsible if you put that market into the stream of commerce. So once again, depending on the side of that equation you're on, it's important to have thought through these provisions in a contract. That's crucial. Right. So I think the biggest issue I hear from a lot of my clients is they have a suspicion something might be wrong. They're not exactly sure. They don't know if there's really a safety issue, if it rises to the level of a reporting incident or not. What, what do we tell clients in that instance? Working off of the U.S. scheme, if you think you have a problem, you do need to investigate it. And you only have a certain amount of time in which you can investigate that. If it's a substantial product hazard that could lead to injury. And that's the test. Substantial that's the test. product hazard. Those are the magic words in the United States. It's a substantial product hazard that could lead to injury. Then that's when it triggers your duty to, to certainly report, but probably to perform a recall. Um, it gets complicated if and when you're a retailer and a manufacturer or just a retailer. But I bet you get a lot of thought process on does it rise to that level, that, that bar. Because That's right. Of, right. Um, and if it doesn't rise to that bar, we don't have a duty to disclose. You do not have a duty to report. Report. Yeah. You don't have a duty to report if you've done your analysis and you've documented you've done your analysis and... And, and you've determined that there is no substantial product hazard or there is no risk of injury. Ah. Either of those can get you out of it. Um, what's the important thing is, is you got to document that. And then the other important thing that you always kind of, the rule of thumb is when in doubt report. So let's go to the next step. We, we did that. We find out we have a reportable problem. You report it to the CPSC. What is the next step? Well, once you've reported to the CPSC, the clock starts ticking. At that point, you're going to have to make a decision of whether you want to do a recall or not. And if you do choose to do a voluntary recall, it's under this what they do, what they call the fast track recall, and it's voluntary. Uh, it has no admission of, of defect in it, and you'll work with the CPSC and perform a, a, a recall in accordance with their scheme and their suggestions. Right? You have you have some ability right. to work with them on that. Yes. So let's switch gears. We've done all this. We've reported. We've done our recall. What's your strategy for class action defense? Well, if you're doing a recall and you're getting involved with, with a product defect in class action, a lot's going to go into how you framed that recall. That recall in and of itself can, can often uh, alleviate some of the problems you may find in a class action. Therefore, the remedy will have already existed, therefore taking away some of the damages that could potentially be there in a class action. Well, Tom, thanks again for taking the time and uh, educating our, our public. It's my pleasure, Tony. I will say for the audience, this is one of those issues, unlike some of our other issues, where you really have to pay attention to uh, the product from start to finish. Uh, with regard to safety, it has human life involved, but also it can really affect your reputation. 
uh, once you get a reputation for putting in an unsafe product, you get on the radar of uh, the CPSC and the class action. And so not only is it the right thing to do, it's also the right thing from a legal standpoint to ensure that you have a protocol in place for you know, protection, but then if something goes wrong as well. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Fashion Council.